Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Uh, introduce our speaker for this morning. Uh, speakers, these are two of Kristen and I's dearest friends in all the world. And uh, they're two of the overseers of our church. And uh, I would consider Israel like an older brother to me uh, and somebody that I call on a rainy day in my life. And so I'm so excited for you to meet them and for them to minister God's word. This is Israel and Rachel Campbell from Hermosa Beach, California. Would you welcome them to the stage as they come? Thank you so much. We are so blessed to be here, and we are getting an extra microphone, and that one is awesome. We love your pastors, and we love your church. In fact, uh, Rachel, we were talking about— I'm not going to pull it out from under you. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> uh, we were talking about—we uh, were actually at the first service that you guys have ever had, and I helped put up one of the TVs on the stands the day of the service, and I think that TV actually fell— maybe midway through the service, uh, but it added... But you were a servant. I was a Lord. servant. Yeah, I was such I a servant. We love the McDonald's, don't we? We do. We, um, it's such an honor, a sacred honor to us to be here with you, but also to be called friends of your pastors. Yeah. And um, God brought them into our life in Hermosa Beach when they were uh, living away from Chicago in a really hard place, Hermosa, with the palm trees. We had many walks, coffee walks, and our God knit our hearts. And Israel and I both feel so fortunate, don't we, that, yeah. um, that they literally just walked into a season of our life where we were planting our church, and we just had such like spirits, and we've had so many great laughs, dreams, honest conversations, and then to get to be a part of this house and what God's doing. We were in the hotel. Yes. Uh, we were in the hotel. Last where, time you were still in the hotel, yes. so this is awesome. And so it's an honor to be here, and we're celebrating with you this gorgeous church in the middle of your city. Ah, amen. So good. Oh, so good. And everybody has been so sweet. Um, they got us like little baskets with like a book and water and the and hotel. Popcorn. Let's talk about the, the popcorn yeah. and the towels were so thick. I was like, how are we going to fit them all in our suitcase? This is just awesome. So we are glad to uh, be here. Want to read a couple texts and then we'll get into it. Is that all right? Yeah. Yes, okay. I want to read uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 24, and I'm going to read uh, verse 1, and then I'm going to read verse 25. And uh, anything that you have some time during the week, I know you guys have got classes and all this, so I don't want to add any homework to you. But this is an incredible chapter in the Bible because it tells a story of how somebody started and how they finished just in one chapter. So you can kind of see some of their life. And it says this, 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1, Joash was seven. 
seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. Second Chronicles chapter 24, this is verse 25. This is the end of this story. So I'm not going to read all the verses, but we see the beginning, and now we see the end, the end, that as the enemy withdrew, leaving Joash severely wounded, but his own officials plotted to kill him for murdering the son of Jehodiah, the priest, and they assassinated him as he lay in bed. Then he was buried in the city of David, but not in the royal cemetery. I just want to read Psalms 92, 12 through 14, and this is a life verse for us. It's what we uh, named our church in Los Angeles about, but I love this scripture. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. That's my favorite line. <laughs> they will stay fresh and green. And today, that's what we want to talk about. Uh, we like to speak together because we co-pastor. And so this is something that's really fun for us to get to do. But we both just want to talk today a little bit about how do we make sure to stay fresh and green? How do we live a life that we don't have a few peak years, peak season, and then the best of our days are behind us? Yeah. How do we live lives as believers where we're not looking back at the good old days, but we're looking forward to God's best, Amen. right? And that's kind of all we want, right? All of us. But I love that Psalm 92, 14, Rachel Campbell will still bear fruit in her old age. They will stay fresh and green. Father God, we just come before you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we are so thankful that we get to come and be a part of such a church that you're doing new things. You're, you're doing such fresh things. God, this is a house of restoration. God, this is a house uh, where we do not grow old, but God, we find new life every single day. And so God, I just thank you for your word. I pray that you make it alive to us, Lord, that not one seed will fall, but it will be planted into our heart. God, teach us how to not peak early in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, when I was in ninth grade, uh, I asked a girl to the ninth grade dance. And when I asked her, she said, no, I am holding out for Chris Lords to ask me. And so I was like devastated, of course, but worked up the courage to ask another girl. I asked another girl and she said the exact same thing. I am holding out for Chris Lords, uh, not to be defeated. I went a third person and asked, and they just said no. Didn't even mention Chris Lords, just said no about me. And uh, Chris Lords was in ninth grade with me, and he was one of the tallest kids in our class, uh, and I was maybe one of the shortest, and he was the ninth grader that had the full mustache. Come on, he was in ninth grade. He had a full mustache, not like a little tiny mustache, but like the full thing. He had the flannel like from a breakfast club. And so he was cool. He had the flannel shirt. And I unfortunately looked more like the geek from 16K 
candles. In fact, I think we have some photos of just uh, what maybe I looked like. Maybe right there, there's 16 candles. And then the next one is what I look like so that you can see <laughs> what I look like. And so obviously you can see why three girls said no to the dance. Uh, they, they didn't even give me a chance. They went for Chris Lords, who was cool, had a, you know, mustache. Well, several years later, this was in ninth grade, several years later, Rachel and I married. Uh, by God's grace, we bought a house. We, were, uh, we just had our first child, Phoebe, and things were going good. We were youth pastors. We had gone and graduated Bible college, and I went to a local Blockbuster. And it, guess, if you're aging us with I'm that. I'm aging you. Blockbuster. How many of you remember? Come on. Uh, Friday night, right? You would stay all there to finally pick one. And so I went to Blockbuster. Buster went to check out the, the VHS, come on, and, uh, and guess what happened? Of course, Chris Lords was the manager of Blockbuster. How many of you know career choice? That's probably not the wisest. Not a big future in VHS rentals today. And uh, Chris was now, and, and I'm sorry uh, if, if this offends you, but he, was, he, he didn't have the thick hair that he had before. Come on. He was using a little more nair than anything else. And he had a pot belly, and I was like two inches taller than him. And, it, you know, we started talking and, and he was like, he recognized me. I didn't recognize him. I was like, oh, Chris Lord, like, cause he was a legend. And now I was like, whoa. And the reality is Chris Lord peaked in ninth grade. That was his best year when he had at least two people that I knew of holding out from Dancing with Israel Campbell with Chris Lords. And, and, and so I want to talk about that today is literally as Christians, it's sad to know that sometimes we peak. Yeah. And in this biblical text is a story of someone who peaked early, seven years old, becomes king. But at the end, we read that he was actually not even buried with the right kings because of the way he ended his life. How many of you this morning want to finish strong? Three of you. Come on. How many of you want to finish strong? And how many of you say, I haven't peaked yet? Come on. Anybody say, I haven't yes. peaked yet? Amen. 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 I say, I haven't peaked yet. So we have one more picture, and I want to be able to see it. If you can throw up the last picture that we have. The, the first one over here, where Israel looks like Eminem, and I look like somebody off of Friends, that is right when we got married. And if you are our age, we got these pictures done for like $19.99 at Picture People in the mall. How many of you would remember Picture People? Yes. yes. Picture People also peaked early. But, <laughs> you know, um, this is us just a couple years ago. Um, but we wanted to do a side-by-side -side because when I look at that young couple, you know, it would have been really easy to peak early. Those were good days. And um, those were days where we were young and in love. Those were days we had just bought our first house and a cute puppy named Quadri. Um, those were the days where we were youth pastoring and seeing high schools getting saved in Seattle, Washington. And when I look at those two people that had such bright eyes for the future and so in love with each other and Jesus, that young couple didn't know what the road would look like ahead of them. And I think about from here, we are, we're celebrating 26 years being married September 27th. But I think about 
our journey. And I know that your journey is probably similar to ours, where you had all of these hopes and these dreams, and you were singing about the goodness of God like we did this morning. And there were uh, there was loss in our life um, throughout the years. In five years, I lost my dad, my mom, and three of my immediate sisters and um, had to walk the journey of just deep grieving. And I'm not, you know, I'm telling you that because I want you to feel sad for me, but really, honestly, my story is that I have seen the strength and the goodness of God on the deepest valley days of my life. Yeah. And I see this couple who we could look back at the good days and miss the greatest days. And I just want to encourage all of us, maybe you're, you don't like your season right now. Maybe um, you're disappointed. Maybe there's been some things where you've suffered incredible loss or whatever it might be on your journey where you just feel like the best days are behind you. Mm. We just came this morning to dig into the word of God and remind all of us, remind ourselves that with the Lord, with our journey of faith, your best days are always ahead because his mercies are always new. And so we're going to dig into that this morning. Yeah, I love that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, verses 29 through 31, he's actually giving a parable of two sons. And, and, and the parable is he gives instructions to one and, and they just ignore it. And then he gives instructions to another and they ignore it in the beginning, but then at the end, they come back and say, hey, I want to obey. And so Jesus was teaching the disciples, teaching us 2,000 years later that, yeah, starting off is important. Starting out well is good, but what he was really pushing is how you finish. And he was actually comparing uh, prostitutes and tax collectors to the religious people who started out good but didn't finish well. And then the contrary to some people that may not have actually started out well, but then finished well. And that's what we want to do. We want to all finish well. And I think uh, all of us have got friends. We've had situations. We've had acquaintances. We've even seen from afar people that have started out so well, could have been a hero, could have been a family member, could have been somebody that even might have led you to Christ themselves, like their example. Or for us, people that we went to Bible college with or people we started out with in ministry who were more anointed, who were more gifted, who were more talented, but somehow these turtles have outlasted the rabbits because it's not how we start. Come on, it's how we finish. Amen. And so like Rachel said this morning, we want to just give maybe a, a, just a couple things that we've observed and they're not, it's not a formula. This isn't a hey, you need to do these three things, but maybe these things, these things, the Holy Spirit will begin to resonate in you and teach and begin to comfort and begin to challenge and say, man, if we could tweak that or put that in our mind, start aiming for that, it would keep us from peaking early. One more time. How many of you say you want your best is still yet to come? Come on. Anybody say their best is yet to come? How many of you say you don't want to peak early? Come on. How many of you say you don't want to drive a black Trans Am like Chris Lords in 2023 that was built in night. Well, maybe you would. I mean, I think they're cool again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you do want to have one. Maybe you do. I don't know. Okay. So here's some things that we were just talking about, praying about that we would do. And the first one would be this. How do we not peak early is the enemy of great is not bad, but good. I was kind of thinking somebody would go, wow. 
I thought a couple of people would just kind of put their hand like this, Olin Mills style, and like, wow, that was deep. But I'll say it again. You have such a uh, uh, an incredible preacher so that maybe it wasn't as cool as I thought it's it really was. Good. When I read. It was good. I, I, it was I'm good. saying okay. wow. Uh, the enemy of great is not bad, but good. How do we keep? Thank you. That felt so much better. Didn't feel coerced at all. Thank you. It felt very natural. But the, the enemy of great is not, uh, is not bad, it's good. And as Christ followers, sometimes we are always thinking that it is the word bad, but actually in the word faith, and Jesus, even in the book of Revelations, when he talks about lukewarm, it's when we settle for only good. And there is a kind of a justification that we can sometimes do. We can sometimes leverage how we're doing compared to somebody else. And we can kind of go, well, compared to that knucklehead, come on, I'm doing good. Uh, we can look at, and instead of getting everything that God is asking of us or everything the Holy Spirit maybe is, is directing us, we'll just settle for just good. And good is such a way of peaking early. Good is a really good way of never fully reaching everything that God has for us. Or to be always able to say, what do they say? The good old days. Always settling for good yeah. and looking back saying those were the good days. What about living a life of adventure that says, come on, the great days are still ahead. I want to have a passion for God to do some great things in my life, some great things in our kids' life, some great things in our church life. Amen? Yeah. And I think, you know, for us, at least our story is when we were young, we had to have faith. When we were young, we needed faith to make it with our gas to church. I mean, like when you're young, you're just building your life, you're learning, you're probably messing up a little bit more than you do as you get a few more years. And I just remember that vibrancy and the passion that would happen because we really did need God so badly. We needed his wisdom. We needed his help. And then you start getting a few years under your belt. I don't know if you guys can identify with this, but you get a few years of success under your belt. You start parenting and your kids are actually doing okay. And you know, life is good. You, you have the job that you wanted. Maybe you've reached some goals. And then all of us, we just really believe that that's the most dangerous place to be. Yeah. It's like the middle of life when goals are met and it's you can kind of start coasting and looking back going, this is good. We're doing good. And I was on a walk just the other day with a, a woman who comes to our church when they're in town and goes to another church where they live. But the husband's a city planner. They have three very successful kids and they're in their early 60s. And she's, a, she's one of the famous lawyers of their city. And I was walking with her and asking her what they were doing right now. Like, what were they really passionate about? And she said, we're really working on our marriage because it's good. And I just think about that. She was talking about how, you know, when they were raising their kids and having to pay them through college and, you know, you get to this place where now your kids are gone and you did a pretty successful job or maybe you're, you're, you're proud of some things in your life. And actually, that is the most dangerous place for all of us because we start almost feeling like it's okay to settle. Yeah. And God never wants us to settle. I love why when, when 
um, Psalms 92 says that. It says, even in their old age, they will stay fresh and green. How do we do that? We do that by not uh, believing our own press or, or listening to the things that we've been a success on or maybe even ending up in a season where we're not proud of our life and we feel like the, the rest isn't going to be as good and we're on a downhill slope. And we just want to encourage you this morning that with God, you're never on the downhill slope from glory to glory until we take our last breath. Amen. That's the goal. Yeah. All right. So the second thing is thankfulness. I loved our songs that we sang this morning because they were songs full of thanksgiving. And, you know, one way to not peak early as a believer is to cultivate a life of thankfulness. You know, for me, I am a naturally positive person. And so uh, it can be easy for me to be grateful, thankful, to see the silver lining. But, you know, a true thankfulness, and um, uh, that is the spiritual discipline that we have to initiate with God. And I believe that our thankfulness, the way that we are thankful, the way we can, our ability and strength to recite the goodness of God in a personal way is, is one of the things that guard our hearts. It's something, it's almost like bumpers when you're uh, bowling and you don't want to end up in the gutter. When we begin to develop this um, authentic thankfulness, not a thankfulness where we're pretending everything is so good when it's not, because God can handle us talking to him about the truth of where we're at and the reality of our situation. So we're not talking about fake happiness. But when we're talking about thankfulness, um, you know, in my life, I've just realized that it's an art that we have to develop. And thankfulness is something that we begin to initiate in our life. I have a little thing uh, um, I bring out every Christmas, and it's my miracle list, and it's written in red ink. And I began it when I was walking through a really dark season. It wasn't in a season that I woke up and felt really good to, to seize the day. It was in a season where I felt like there was a dark cloud over me, and I felt like God wanted me to just begin to recite the good things that he had done so that I could look forward to the things he was going to do. And sometimes we just thank God in this real nonchalant way, but what about becoming purposeful in our thanksgiving? where we really, truly stop and take the time and work to go, God, you were faithful when we couldn't afford Christian school for our kids, and that couple came in and helped us along the way. God, you were faithful to us when we moved away from a church in North Carolina and came to the unknown land of La La Land, not knowing anyone. You've been faithful. You've been faithful in our marriage when Israel and I were out of sync and we weren't understanding each other and the pressures of life were crowding over us and we felt like we argued more than we got along. God, you've been faithful to bring us back into unity, to give us the skills and the people. You know, beginning to think about the real everyday life things that God has come through for us in begins to feed our faith that he's going to do it again and that helps us not peak i love that there's the old testament story we've all heard about it with jehoshaphat where there's a battle there's actually enemies surrounding and the way they won the battle was actually not with the military. It was they sent out the singers ahead of time. And the, the thing that they told him to say was, to, and he instructed them, so it's intentional. It's not just reactionary, it was intentional. Hey, there's an enemy out there. Hey, they're trying to destroy us, but this is how we're going to win. We're gonna win by declaring to give thanks to the Lord for his love and his mercy endures forever. The 
weapon of choice for Jehoshaphat was not a spear. The weapon of choice for Jehoshaphat was not a shield or uh, spears or swords. It was, let's win this battle with thankfulness. Let's begin to declare that he is good. And you know what? The surrounding was not necessarily a good surrounding. And I think sometimes we are, are we tie in thankfulness to how, what is going on presently. Sometimes we are prophetically thankful. We are thankful and we're reflecting on what he's done, but we're also thankful for what he can do. And they went into the battle saying, come on, God, even though we see enemies all around, you've been faithful in the past. And because we can reflect on that, you've been faithful in the past. Come on, you're going to be faithful in the future. And you have to develop that. It was intentional. It wasn't like a haphazard. Well, now we should give thanks. No, it was intentional. And it's a muscle we have to develop that even in storms or even when it's good, come on, we're going to be thankful. Could you just do something for like maybe five seconds? Can you just lift up your hands in the air? Come on, lift up your hands in the air. And just for about five seconds, it's going to be awkward because the person next to you is going to say something and the other person next to you is going to say something. But could we just give like a thanksgiving praise break that, I mean, if you have nothing, you're here this morning. Come on. If you've got nothing, at least there's air conditioning in this uh, service, right? Come on. If you've got nothing, there's something to give him thanks about for five, just five to 10 seconds. Can you just thank him out loud? Come on. One, two, three, go. Hallelujah. You're so good. You're so good. You're exciting. You're so thankful. Come on. Amen. Was that good? Uh, they weren't very thankful about that point. But Come you know on. What? Um, I've always found too, I just want to say thankfulness is so catchy. You know, you, you can be around negative people and you can begin to literally learn the art of just changing the, yeah, but you know what? And it's not annoying. Like you never let people share their heart with you, but thankfulness can be so catchy. I live with a man who holds me accountable in my thankfulness and he'll be like, yeah, but Rachel, da 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 da. I'm like, tell me that after I've had my coffee and then I'm going to be really thankful for that. But we've got to also, can I just say, the atmosphere that we allow in really matters when we're talking about thankfulness. Yeah. Find you some friends who make your heart ready to be thankful. Sometimes we can't even, there's moments and seasons where we're in ruts, right? Has anybody ever been in a rut? Yeah. It's so important for me, and maybe this will really help some of you. Maybe this is a God answer, is find the people who are praising. Find the people with the good report. Find the people and, and surround yourself. They might be a different age group than you. Mm -hmm. They might be someone that you would never think to become friends with, but find the people who are naturally thankful and it's catchy. It'll begin to breed into your own heart. You'll never find a negative person that hasn't peaked. <laughs> Most negative people are, they've peaked. But you find a person that's full of thanks and full of just looking at life and wonder and just going over the goodness of God, you know that their best is still yet to come. And so we can, he's, that's all they said. Jehoshaphat said, hey, go out there and say and be thankful. And then listen to what the word said. It said that his love endures 
forever. When we give thanks, we position ourselves to not peak, that we actually endure. We're starting to talk about future forever because that's who our God is. Yeah. Isn't that good? Last one. We only have three points. Isn't that great? And you would think with us, with all of us speaking, uh, with me and my wife, we actually, when we first wrote it down, I think we had, um, I had four points. Rachel had 16 points. And I was able to negotiate it down to three. Come on, somebody. You should give God thanks right now for that hallelujah last one you have no comment just be thankful honey uh, last one last one and we, we we said this is and we've learned this and we're still learning it aren't we uh, it's we haven't um, possessed it we haven't fully nailed it down but it is to build his kingdom not our empire if you want to not peak be a person that builds his kingdom, not our empire. Uh, Rachel and I are both raised as pastor's kids. So we've now, not only have we been married uh, for 26 years this year, we've also been in like full-time ministry for almost 26 years. But then we were pastor's kids. How many of you know you were in ministry as a pastor's kid or a church leader? So, so if, it feels like we were raised in church most of our uh, life. And we have seen, like I said, the people that were more talented and gifted in Bible college. We've seen recently people that we learned how to be Christians and pastors from, literally taught us, taught us how to do it. They're, it's really sad. They're not even in the race right now. I mean, we, we, we had a, a, a friend who has, who, who had an incredible church, had all these things. And just the other day, we saw a YouTube clip and we were devastated because what they were saying had no even mention of God. Mm. It was all this other weird, like, I mean, Californians are weird, but this was a whole nother level of granola. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Just like, where did he slip up and go? And somewhere, Along the way, I think as we look at it, and we could be so easily um, even follow in that mold, is we can start building our own empire instead of building the kingdom. And if you want to keep from peaking, be a kingdom builder, not an empire builder. And that's hard because life is taught us society has taught us we have to build our own empire our own come on our ira account our our, our own do we have the equity and in, in the house and and we've got to get this and we got to get this and everything is based on the success of our life is often based on what does our little empire look like and the problem with building empires is there will be a moment that we'll look back and go that's as good as it got. But when we build kingdom, it's completely the opposite. Kingdom is upside down. Things that the kingdom means is who's the greatest servant. Things that the kingdom is, is forgiving. Things that the kingdom are, are so opposite of empire. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew if we would get a mentality, an intentionality, and a pursuit of the kingdom, something that will outlast what we're presently going through. Yeah. 
then it would revolutionize our life because now we're not just our empire. You know how many empires are going to fail? Do you know how many empires are not going to be in heaven? It's only kingdom. And so when we build kingdom, we're actually building for eternity versus just today. Yeah, how do we define the difference between building an empire and building a kingdom? Because God blesses his people and and it's a witness to the world when he prospers us and we can be leaders in every every area of the world, right? We want that. We want the church not to just be good at church. We want the church to be leading the world, right? And be being an example. But I think for me, the greatest question for me to just make sure that I'm not fixated on building my empire, but I'm building God's kingdom is that my life glorifies God. Mm. Like in whatever capacity that looks like, if it's when we're in the schools with our kids and serving on PTA or it's in a secular job or if you're on the board of a community service event, whatever your life looks like, it, we're not talking about building, uh, just you know, being in ministry, but we're really all called to be carriers of the Holy Spirit of God in every avenue that we're operating in, right? Yeah. And, and it can be so easy because we live in a world that is climbing ladders everywhere. It's like yeah. everyone is striving, but striving is exhausting. Ooh. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. There is nothing more exhausting than when we're striving. And the world puts pressure on us every day, every moment we're awake to strive. But building the kingdom of God means that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When we build the kingdom of God, we should have breath. We should be able to be refreshed in what we do. And so we're just passionate. We're really passionate about are we building our empire or are we building our lives to glorify the name of the Lord? And I just want to read this uh, scripture that I've been really, I've been really meditating on this thought. But Israel read about Joash and how he peaked at seven years old. And that's a really young age to be peaking. <laughs> but, uh, and then he ended weak. But there's another king in the Bible, and I'm sure you guys have heard about him, Nebuchadnezzar. And we know that he built the giant idol to himself, and he wanted Daniel to bow. We know that story, but I want to read Daniel 4.37. And it's at the end of King Nebuchadnezzar's life, and this is what he says. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. I can't even read my own writing. Yep, I just wrote down the story. Because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And he, he causes those who walk in pride to be humbled. Talking about himself. And I, I think about Nebuchadnezzar's life and how he was building his empire. Yeah. And then the people push him away. And you read it. He goes out and he loses his mind and he's eating grass. And then he has this moment where he comes to light and he recognizes, actually, my life, I'm a really good builder but I'm building for myself instead of for God. And so he comes back at the end of his life and he continues to be a good builder, but this time he's not prideful. He's confident in God. Yeah. And I, I love that because I feel like pride and confidence are such twins to each other. They're like one's the evil twin to the other. They're siblings. And, and as Christians sometimes like, well, I don't want to be prideful. And we think if we really go after success, we're going to be prideful and that's not what God would want. And I love the example of Nebuchadnezzar's life is he built this altar to himself. 
And then he has this experience where God humbles him. He gets taken out. And then he has this moment with God where he doesn't have to have life over. This is a man who peaked at the end of his life because he recognized, I'm actually called by God to be a great builder, but it's for him instead of me. And that was the only switch in the end of his life. He began to stop saying, I, 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 and my, 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 and what he could do. And he began to talk about the greatness of God. And that was just a small, it was this switch. And it caused him to have this moment where he never lost. He started out so weak. And then he ends so strong. And I just really want to encourage you this morning that no matter where you've started from, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what you might be walking through right now, can I just encourage you that there are good days ahead because we serve a God who always has new mercies for us every day. And I know that it can be discouraging. I know that in this room right now, there's some of you and you feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. You feel like the world keeps piling things on and there's no way out. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit of God wants to minister and refresh you this morning in his presence to remember that he is still doing good for you. He is still making a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And in one moment, he can turn it around and he can use the hell that you've walked through. You know, Israel and I are sitting here today and we have been through some pretty rough days. And from this side, looking back, it's amazing how God took those things. Beauty for ashes. The anointing oil that comes from the crushing is irreplaceable. And we have to choose. Are we going to trust God through the pain and let him bring good? Or are we going to peek and forever look back at the good old days? And God wants us to be people who look forward to the best days. Amen. Would you stand with us? Come on, can you stand? We want to just pray with you and for you this morning. And, uh, you know, some of the things that we said had some intentionality behind it. Hey, you can begin to do this and you can begin to do that. But I really like what Rachel just talked about because sometimes we peak early because... uh, of life, circumstances. Just like Rachel said, she went through a period where her mom died, her dad died, three of her sisters died, and um, both of her grandparents died. I think it was within a four-year period all of that happened. And, And we were launching a church. Perfect timing, right? Isn't that what usually happens? And, uh, and so it could have been a moment where you could say, man, those, those times were the best times. So I don't know what you're in the middle of right now. I don't know the disappointment. We don't know the hurt. We don't know the pain. Don't know what that kind of that tragic moment was or when this just caused you to just say, I guess that's as good as it gets. This is as good as it gets. Really feel like we're not here by accident on this holiday weekend. Don't believe you could have been somewhere else this morning. Come on, you could have been at uh, Church of St. Mattress, right? Uh, But you're here. You're here this morning because I think the Holy Spirit wants to heal, 
want, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to restore, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to encourage and impart some faith into you. Amen? Come on. Can we lift up our hands for a second? Come on. Can we just lift up our hands in an atmosphere of surrender? I love it when you go around the world, go around the world as I've traveled and preached. If a, if a person comes with a gun or a, an army officer, no matter if I speak their language or not, they know with hands up that I'm surrendered. Come on. So when we lift up our hands, it's a sign of surrender. Universal. When we lift up our hands, I know my kids, when they were younger, would lift up their hands because they wanted me to pick them up. When we lift up our hands, we're saying, God, I need you. I've got to have you. Come on. He's our cornerstone. Come on. He is everything that we need and we desire in the name of Jesus. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.